Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the book of James with this message entitled, God Gives More Grace, preached February the 9th, 2014. I want to read to you James 4, 1 through 6 in my own translation. James 4, 1 through 6. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your evil desires that battle in your members? You lust, but you don't have. You kill and covet, and you cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You still do not have because you are not praying. When you do pray, you still do not get anything because you pray wickedly that you may spend a lot of money on your lusts. You are adulteresses. Don't you know the truth that the friendship with the world is enmity to God? Therefore... Whoever decides to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that the scripture speaks in vain? The spirit that is the Holy Spirit who indwells us longs jealously. That is for our holiness that we love God alone, not God and the world. And he gives greater grace. Wherefore he says. God opposes the proud. That is the friend of the world. But gives grace to the humble. God gives greater grace. What do we need sir? Grace. Not more money. That's a deception. We need more grace. And you cannot get grace from this world. It comes from God. To those who trust in him. Worldliness is a church problem also. And James deals with its cause and cure. Especially in chapter 4, 1 through 10. A worldly Christian tries to love Jesus and the world. He is trying to serve two masters at the same time. He tries to serve Jesus and money. He wants Jesus to give him lots of money to buy a lot of stuff and buy power. He wants Jesus to give him lots of money to buy a lot of stuff and power to enjoy the pleasures of this world. He refuses to love God alone 100%. He's a third soil Christian. Yes, he reads the Bible and goes to church. Soon the worries of this temporal life, the deceitfulness of wealth, 
and pleasures of this earthly life chokes and kills his interest in the gospel. Now his mind is given totally to earthly things and pleasures of sin. So we read in Philippians 3:18 and 19 for as I have often told you before and now say again even with tears many live as enemies of the cross of Christ their destiny is destruction their god is their stomach and their glory is in their shame their mind is on earthly things. He refuses to be transformed by the renewing of his mind by the scripture. So he becomes a conformist, a chameleon, a man of the world. Judas was a thief and an apostle. He enjoyed for a time, like Saul, King Saul, the influences of the Holy Spirit. You remember that Holy Spirit later left Saul and an evil spirit came upon him to torment him all his life. The same thing happened. To Judas the devil prompted him and then entered him and the devil finally killed him a double minded man loves only money what does it profit Jesus said if you gain the whole world and lose your soul Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He will in due time sell God to serve the devil who will destroy him. The eyes of the hedonist are blinded by the pleasures of sin. He is stupid. So what is the perennial problem of the church? Worldliness. Temptation to be like the world. In James 4 verse 4, James calls church members adulteresses. He used to call them my dear brothers. To him, worldliness is spiritual adultery. The world is organized not under God as the kingdom of God is, but under the devil who opposes God. He is a liar and father of all lies. He negates the Bible. James told us that this world is a dirty place and so we must be careful how we live in this world. We do not share the world's dirty values and philosophies. So we read in James 1.27 religion that 
God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You just watch TV for five minutes, you understand the world and you feel dirty. In five minutes, that's all. We are to live as the light of the world, living out the gospel. A Christian who embraces the filthy lifestyle of the world is like a dog who returns to its own vomit and you read that today. And let me read it to you. Second Peter and 2 verse 15 they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam son of Beor who loved the wages of wickedness. And verse 20 through 22, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a pig that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. I have seen it. People going back to vomit. And we read in Revelations 2, 4, I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. You are not loving me as you used to love. Remember from the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the first thing by loving God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And St. Paul speaks about Demas. Demas has abandoned me having loved this present evil world this is our temptation sir and St. John tells us in 1st John 2 verse 15 through 17 he says do not love the world the world appears six times in these verses do not love the world or anything in the world lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the boasting of stuff Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world, from the devil. 
The world and its desires, its lusts pass away. It's not permanent. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Friends, understand Jesus came to destroy the devil who rules the world. So 1 John 3 verse 8 we read, He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, St. Paul says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul says again in Colossians 2.15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. The Hebrew writer says, In chapter 2, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Every unbeliever, friends, every unbeliever, is a slave of the devil. Jesus came to set us free from this wretched slavery. It is sheer foolishness for a Christian to become worldly, to become an adulterer. And so we read 1 John 2.19 They went out from us because they did not really belong to us. If they had belonged to us they would have remained with us but their going showed that none of them belong to us. Such people have never been born of God. The saints born of God shall persevere to the very end by divine grace. James rebukes his church people, church people, by calling them adulteresses. It is an in your face rebuke. The idea comes from the Old Testament. Which taught Israel one shall not serve the Lord and idols. Our God is a jealous God. He alone must be worshipped and served. Worldliness insults the Lord. The Lord who is the husband of Israel. So we read in Exodus 20 verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. 
And Deuteronomy 4, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 54, for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called God of all the earth. Jeremiah says, chapter 3 and verse 20, But like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you have been unfaithful to me. O house of Israel, declares the Lord. St. Paul says they exchanged in Romans 1, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and served the created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And he says in 2 Corinthians 11, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your mind, that's the first thing to go, your mind may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion that is your first love to Christ. James wants us to know this truth. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. You cannot serve both Either you are a friend of God or a friend of the devil. This is the philosophy of either or. James told us that Abraham was called a friend of God. A friend is one who agrees with you in everything. Friends share everything. They have a unity of mind. A husband and wife are friends. Amos asks this question. How can two walk together unless they agree? Enoch walked with God because he agreed with God in everything. Abraham was told by the Lord, walk before me and be thou blameless. And he did. And Jesus calls us not his slaves but friends. John 15, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. If you are a true believer, you will agree with Jesus on everything. Jesus, your friend. 
and you will live a holy life which the scripture demands you enjoy holy communion with Jesus Christ your friend and you shall fulfill the highest duty Jesus demands of us that we love him with all our heart with all our soul with all our strength and with all our mind the sum of the entire bible if you love the world you are not the bride of christ like eve you are an adulteress you actively and continuously oppose Jesus Christ and the lord opposes you as your enemy actively and continuously friends christ our bridegroom tolerates no adultery he said you cannot serve god and money friends jesus did not pray for the world in john's gospel chapter 17 he said that we are not of the world he said the world hates us we are ecclesia the company of people who are called out from the world the dirty world the sinful world he said the devil the evil one controls the world he prayed three times that the father protect us in the world paul tells us that god has delivered us from the present evil age we are not to have any fellowship with the world so paul says in galatians 6 and verse 14 may i never boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ through which the world has been crucified to me and i unto the world we are not to conform to the ways of this world rather we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind by the word of god and we are to be conformed to the likeness of jesus christ friends from glory to glory god is changing us we actively oppose the ways of the world by putting to death by the sword of the spirit the misdeeds of the body you know what they call you right wing extremists if you believe in the bible and if you proclaim the bible if you practice the bible right wing extremists as i said our bridegroom is a jealous one he demands exclusive loyal covenant love 
Deuteronomy 32 says they made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. Deuteronomy 32, 21, they made me jealous by what is no God and angered me with their worthless idols. Our God is a jealous God. Zechariah 8 verse 2, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 22, are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. For our God is a consuming fire. Even the devil believes and shudder. He knows who God is. John says in 1 John, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Not becomes a slave of the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Born of God, believes in Jesus Christ, obeys Jesus Christ, overcomes the world, sir. He's a fighter. He fights the world in and through Jesus Christ, and he wins. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. We are overcomers, and Paul says we are super overcomers. Not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ, who destroyed the devil by his death on the cross. If you are flirting with the world as a born-again Christian, listen to me carefully. God shall discipline and may even kill you to save your souls. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and chapter 11 tells us he will chastise you, he will discipline you and it is going to be painful. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. The bride of Christ is holy, not dirty. So we read in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. And John says in Revelation 19, then I heard what sounded like a great 
multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Well, thank God, the Holy Spirit helps us. In the problem of worldliness. James 4 and verse 5 is difficult to interpret. I agree with Calvin and Mayor and Alfred that this verse is speaking about the Holy Spirit and his ministry to us. So I translate the Holy Spirit who indwells in us longs jealously and I add for our holiness that we love God alone not God and the world James asks do you suppose the scripture speaks in vain friends the scripture never speaks in vain in fact the devil himself believes the scripture and shudder and you resist him by the scripture and he flees Jesus said it is written he believed in scripture he cited the scripture to the devil and he left him sir the sword of the spirit is the word of God James asked, do you suppose the scripture speaks in vain? He's not citing a specific scripture, but is giving the teaching of the whole Bible as other writers do sometimes. Scripture is the very word of God. Jesus said, thy word is truth. Let God be true and all men liars. The promises of the scripture are true and its threatenings are sure. There is eternal life and there is eternal punishment. There is heaven and there is hell. God said so. The devil lies deceives and enslaves the Holy Spirit sent from heaven indwells us rules us guides us teaches us empowers us he is the spirit of truth the spirit of holiness and the spirit of grace as the resident boss he jealously desires that we love Christ alone who loved us and died the death of the cross to atone our sins. The devil is our enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy us. This Holy Spirit has taken up his residence, thank God, in us. 
So we read in Romans 8 verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? And St. Paul in 2 Timothy says, God, the good deposit that was entrusted to you, God, it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And he tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, glorify God with your body. His ministry is to glorify Christ. He helps us to love our bridegroom all the more and hate the world and sin and the devil. Jesus said this, I have much more to say to you. John 16, 12 through 14, more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. What about Jesus, sir? How did Jesus live? I want to tell you from the Bible, Jesus lived by the Holy Spirit from beginning to end. Jesus himself lived his incarnate life in this world by being led by the Spirit. So Luke 3 verse 21 and 22 when all the people were being baptized Jesus baptized too and as he was praying heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove Luke 4 1 Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the desert to be tempted and Luke 4.14 Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit successful temptation and Luke 4.18 in the synagogue in Nazareth he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me The entire ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the writer to the Hebrews tells us Jesus offered himself up to God through the eternal spirit. The death of Jesus Christ, that sacrifice was also by the eternal Holy Spirit. And his resurrection was by the Holy Spirit. Friends, Holy Spirit dwells in us to help us to live a holy life. The Spirit always reveals to us from the scriptures the glories of Jesus and the wickedness of the world and the devil. 
The Spirit of God instructs us to love Jesus by doing his will. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. The Holy Spirit not only instructs, he empowers us and pours out God's love in abundance into our hearts that we may love God and love one another. The indwelling spirit is jealous that we do not come under the seduction of the world, sin, and the devil. He enables us to love Jesus even by suffering martyrdom. So in Luke 12, we read, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit. Sir, may God help us to be conscious of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Friends, do you love God more than the things of this world? That's what Jesus asked St. Peter. Do you love me more than these? That is more than your life. The Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard said, Purity of heart is to will one thing. And I say the one thing is to love God more than life itself. May God help us always to be filled with the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. And the third point is Holy Spirit gives us grace. Greater grace the comparative degree of mega. Not great grace, that's mega, but greater grace. Friends, what do you think you need? Come on, sir. Grace. Divine ability. That's what we need, not greater money. All that idea in your head, you need more money. It's not true. What you need is what? Greater grace. More grace. Jesus said, what is popular among men is abomination in God's sight. Detestable. Does the world praise you? then you are a lover of the world. Are you a popular preacher? Then you may not be preaching the gospel. The world hates the gospel. Living holy for God in a hostile world is indeed difficult. The world hates us as it hated our Lord Jesus Christ. So, because life in this world is very difficult, especially to live faithfully for God, 
So we are tempted to compromise and tempted to cultivate a friendship with the world. This, I say, is dangerous. Whoever decides to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And now listen. God is our enemy. We lose big. And we lose forever. What we need to live a faithful life to God our bridegroom is more grace. We need more grace to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Therefore think who we are now. We are born of God. We have life of God in the soul of man. And if you don't have it, cry out to God to save you. We are children of God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In Christ, we can resist the devil and he shall flee from us, the Bible says. And you read today, 2 Peter chapter 1, we have divine nature. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he is spirit of grace who gives us greater grace. More grace. Abounding grace. Sufficient grace. And we have no excuse for not living a holy life. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. We are told that holy angels minister to us continually. And our God is a wall of fire around us. And he is a shield around us. Psalm 3 verse 3. We are told all things are ours. We are told that we shall judge the world. And we shall judge angels. We are the bride of Christ. Even now, friends, the Bible says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Think of who we really are. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can destroy us? St. Augustine is right. When he said, God grants us what he demands of us. But God is an enemy of the proud. The lover of the world hates God. He is proud. He pretends to be independent. He's proud and he does not need God. Yet the truth is he's a slave of sin 
and a slave of the devil. God actively and continually 24-7 opposes the proud, the idolater, the worldly man, the devil worshiper. But he continually gives greater grace to the humble believer to live in this present evil age in this world a life that is pleasing to God so we say with Saint Paul we can do all things God desires us to do by this grace your problem is that you didn't pray you didn't humble yourself so you didn't receive grace because God opposes the proud don't come and tell me that I sinned because because I sinned now you sinned because you are arrogant you are wicked you are proud you are independent you have time for everything but for prayer you have time for everything but you don't want to read the Bible The humble person makes daily use of every means of grace. Such as personal Bible reading and prayer. Such as family Bible reading and family prayer. I said my parents would pray between three and four. And we were to pray at five. Five to six is prayer time. Where my father pastor would preach. And we are to be listening, not sleeping. That's the background I have. And I hope you will have the history of that background. Public worship, especially on the Sabbath day. Public reading of the scripture. See, when I hear the scripture read, I remember. It is in my mind. Therefore, we read scripture publicly. Therefore, public prayer Preaching and teaching of the word of God by God's anointed, gifted ministers. Preaching and teaching of the word by God's gifted ministers. Means of grace, gifts of the spirit, means of grace. And you read about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Romans 12, 3 through 8, 1 Peter 4, verse 11, Ephesians 4, verse 11, and so on. The gifts of the Spirit. Baptism, the sacrament of baptism, is a means of grace. Holy Communion, which we have weekly, 
is a means of grace every time church discipline which includes excommunicating the wicked and that person to Satan for the purpose that his flesh may be destroyed and the spirit may be saved may be saved that is a means of grace for him and for the whole church council of elders if you want to learn the will of God you go to the priest in the Old Testament and he'll tell you what to do and so in this church we give biblical counseling to anyone who wants it obey your leaders and submit to them for they watch over your souls as those who must give God an account of you giving is a means of grace give and it shall be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be meted unto you serving is a means of grace evangelism sharing our faith is a means of grace by making use of these means of grace we will have great grace greater grace and that's all we need so let me read to you what god demands he grants Philippians 2:12 through 13 Therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed obey your leaders teaching them to obey whatsoever things i have commanded you So here then continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling You respect your father did the father ever teach you that you should listen and obey your father and mother that's in the bible work out your salvation whether you are teenagers or adults with fear and trembling fear of god will keep you from sinning joseph said how can i do this wicked thing and sin against god continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling and now for because it is god who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure that's why i spoke about holy spirit dwelling in us holy spirit is not a bullet lodged in us he's infinite person infinite god who teaches you who rules you who guides you who tells you what to do and gives you the power to do it in philippians 4 verse 13 st paul says i can do everything 
Through him who gives me strength. Yeah, go and work. And you pray and God gives you strength. And intelligence. Yes, sir. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's grace. Second Corinthians 9, 8. And listen. And God is able to make what, sir, all grace abound to you. Now notice, five times the word all is used. Check it out. All grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, Coming from God. You will abound. In all work. Can you go around and. And say I failed. I didn't do it. No God gives you grace. What is it? We need greater grace. And he gives you greater grace. If you are humble. If you pray. If you make use of the means of grace God has provided for you. Second Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. To keep me from becoming proud, conceited. Because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Because my power, divine power, is made complete, perfect in your weakness. We have this treasure in earthen vessels therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses plural in insults in hardships in persecutions in difficulties he spoke about it in chapter 11 of 2nd Corinthians and why do you Delight in weaknesses. For when I am weak. Then I am strong. Try that sir. And Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace. With confidence. By confidence our sin problem is taken care of. By the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, I have confidence. My sins have been forgiven. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. What is the purpose? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need mercy. We need grace every day. Because we have need. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. 
Start praying. Start believing. Start reading the Bible. Receive grace through the use of means of grace. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May God of peace what? Equip you. Furnish you. Qualify you. Give it to you. Everything good for doing his will And may he work in us, you see. He works in us, we work out. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greater grace. Romans 5 verse 20. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Pastor Kent Hughes gives this illustration of greater grace coming to us. An artist sent a painting of Niagara Falls to an art gallery, but he forgot to put a title the gallery gave this title to it more to follow it has been spilling billions of gallons of water for thousands of years it has more more to follow The grace of Jesus Christ is infinite and inexhaustible. It ever flows to his humble, holy people, to his holy bride in measureless measure. And his grace is sufficient. This grace flows to us from the cross and from the throne of God. It caused the death of God's son, yet it is free and full. And so St. John tells us in John 1 verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, We have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. So Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. To him be Glory forever. What's our excuse? You say you go to university. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? How come your house is disorganized and unclean? How come your average is 1.75? How come your marriage is not healthy? 
How come the kids are crazy? Whose problem is it? God is stingy? Friends first realize what we need is more grace. And the second to realize God gives us abounding grace that we may abound in every good work. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you. We confess our sins before you. We complained, we murmured. We failed to confess and own our sin. Lord, help us to confess our sins. Help us to humble. Help us to pray. Do not conceal your sin. But if you confess and forsake your sin, you will receive mercy. Lord, help us to humble ourselves. And he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. From this vital union, grace sufficient, greater grace, abounding grace, in measureless measure, ever flows into us, making us competent to abound in every good work. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.